like the, some of the newer songs. They're fun, but I, I'm a guy that digs the old school kind of classic Christmas songs because I think they're rich in meaning. And, and some of them are just fun, and some of them have some traditional things in there that don't make... Hey, I even found this one. This is the one we just sang a minute ago. And it says this. It says, Silent night, holy night. All is calm. All is bright. And then I read this new website that I think messed up the words because then it said, Round Young Virgin. And I thought... I don't think that's what it says, like round young virgin. I'm like, are they saying she was like pudgy? I'm like, I don't get it. Like, what's up with that? And then I'm like, that can't be right. And so sure enough, I look up the original lyrics and it's round young virgin. And this is how it goes. It says round young virgin, mother and child, holy infant, so tender and mild, sleep in heavenly peace. And it goes on and continues this idea that, that the birth of Christ was this amazing moment that brought peace. We sing that song to remind us of this, this moment that the world took a shift and the, the world changed. It would forever be different. That this was the starting point in which, again, the world would never be the same. That a Savior had been born so that he might die, so that he might redeem the world. But this was the starting point. And it, it, it paints the picture that everything it was there to bring this sense of peace. As a matter of fact, let's read part of the Christmas story this morning. In, in Luke chapter 2, this is what it says. It says... In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while that guy was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee so that he could go to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, they came, or the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in swaddling clothes, or wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. In just a moment, angels show up to shepherds, and then there's wise men later, and there's this whole idea. And even the, even the angels say this. They say, glory to God in the highest, peace on earth, goodwill towards men. And you have this whole picture painted that like, all is calm. And there's even the song, Away in the Manger, and I love this part. There's a part in Away in the Manger in which it, it, the Bible talks about like, no crying he makes. I'm like, man, you don't know that. You weren't there. That baby was crying, I bet. Has you ever been there at the birth of a child? They have to cry. I think that crying is how they get their breathing going. It's like, that baby's crying. But we, we paint this picture that there's this, this incredible, beautiful, calm, and peaceful moment. But I, I, don't, I don't think that was the case. Here, here's how I know that. Have you ever tried to take a pregnant woman and travel cross-country with her? Can you imagine what that would be like? And not cross-country in your Escalade. Not in an RV. We're talking about on the back of a donkey. How many ladies can I get an amen like this? All is calm. No, you are screaming at him. You are yelling at that donkey. You are mad at the world. All is not calm. Can you imagine like even the whole surrounding idea? Think about this. Israel is underneath Roman rule. The very fact that they have to go to Bethlehem is because the, the, the Rome makes everybody because they're doing a census to let you know we're in charge and we're checking you down. 
We're going to count your number. You put you in the right place. And you have to do what we have to say. And we, that's just how it's going to go. So it's not, a, it's not necessarily a time of, of national peace. Not to mention that King Herod, who is the ruler of that specific area, not just Rome in general, but that specific area, gets so jacked out of shape about the idea of a Savior being born and a Messiah coming that he begins to annihilate every newborn baby boy. There's nothing calm or peaceful about any of that. You imagine living in a world and a culture and society where a king can just decree that you start literally assassinating children? What kind of a fear? Moms, you know how much you love your babies. Can you imagine the fear that you would have in your heart? That wouldn't be peaceful. Then you think about the fact that not only is this the environment, this is the culture, they're traveling literally a several days journey to get to Bethlehem on the back of a donkey. Then there's no epidural, ladies. I know, I know some of y'all are all natural, all organic, but that ain't most of you. That ain't what my wife. Man, if y'all ever hear the story, my, my wife, she started, my wife's very organic and holistic and oils and natural things all about that and she convinced herself that she was going to do it natural because you know that's just there's just drugs and chemicals and we don't want that to harm the baby and all that <laughs> that didn't last and so <laughs> wait wait until they're in this position up in here <gasps> and then like you know i won't tell you the exact words she says but it wasn't kind but she told me to go get the epidural going and so um and then after that, she just knew she wasn't cut out for it. So baby number two and baby number three, she'd come in and be like, I need this room, I need you to do that, and go get that epidural. Because there's some peace that comes with an epidural. You don't feel nothing no more. As a matter of fact, some of us guys were thinking, like, can I get one of those? Like, I just want to try it, you know, I just want to see. So you have this environment of hostility. And then we get into the whole, like, okay, I'm going to wreck somebody's uh, Christmas bubble here. We painted a picture that Jesus was born in a barn or a cave. That's not exactly what happened either. As a matter of fact, if you study uh, Eastern culture and if you look at the, uh, the archaeological digs and they've discovered what the homes looked like, here's the radical notion. So it's, it doesn't get that much better. But see, we've painted the picture that like Joseph goes to all the motels and they keep saying no to him because it says there was no room in the guest room. Well, the reality is this, in their homes, they would have a guest room, and it was either to the side of the house or even above the house, and that was, that was the guest room. The main family room was downstairs, and check this, in your main family room, you would actually have a portion of that lower level that was fenced off where you brought your livestock in, because you didn't want them to die or get stolen in the middle of the night, and because it was so cold at night, it, they would produce heat. So like when it says that Jesus was placed in a manger, basically there was an area of your lower home that was fenced off where the livestock would be, and then there was a trough manger set up in between that and the family room. And so since they didn't have a crib, they just put baby Jesus in the little trough thing. Now how many ladies is that where you want your precious little, your little precious one? No, so even though they weren't in a cave, I mean it's still not the coolest environment. I mean we, we, we like nice sterile environments. We get that vitamin K shot in them as soon as they pop out. And we're cleaning them off. We're doing all this thing. No, they had, they had a, a dwelling in which they were sharing animals. That's why they put baby Jesus in a manger. So it's just my point in telling you all this stuff is I don't know that this is the most peaceful environment. And yet that's what the angels are saying. The angels are saying, peace on earth. It's not peaceful. 
So what are they actually referring to? And then when you look at our own personal lives today, you would say, I mean, not a lot's changed. I mean, the details change and the names change, but let's be honest, the world is not always peaceful. I mean, there's a typhoon that just blew up one nation. There's war in other nations. There's nuclear threat in another nation. I mean, there's, there's famine in other nations. There's all around us, there's turmoil. There's chaos. Even in our own personal lives, we find these seasons where things are tough and we're looking at the debt and we're looking at paying the bills and we're looking at who's sick or who's in the hospital or who's struggling or who's going through. And we think, well, this isn't always just peaceful. And once again, these is, this is sometimes we run into the wall of what we call fake Christianity. This fake Christianity that says, hey, come to Jesus and everything will be easier. That's not true. Jesus never promises you that life it will be easier. What he promises is that he will always be with you. And that's the promise you want anyway. Because I know so many people that have everything that they could ever you know, want or desire or dream up. And yet they're empty on the inside. And then you have other people that seem to be in the opposite place of life. All hell's breaking out around them. And yet even in the midst of it, they're just as cool as the other side of the pillow. They're, they're, they're like this. They're peaceful. And what is the difference? The difference is, is that somehow they have tapped into, even in the midst of turmoil, they have tapped into the peace of God. So I want to encourage you, like, be careful. Because although the holiday season is fun for most of us, let's be honest, for some of us, we find these kind of Grinch moments. We find these, these, these problematic situations that rob us and steal us of our peace. As a matter of fact, I was thinking, like, what is it that I've always experienced or seen in other people as they experience, like, the peace stealers of your life? Number one would be this. How many of you know, like, the holiday season? Uh-huh. How many of y'all know I'm talking about? Just raise your hand. Raise, go ahead, slip it. Yeah, yeah, If you're next to them, don't raise your hand. But we're talking about, like, them other family members. Like, and, and then when you start blending both sides of the family you got all kinds of chaos. Or many of you are in this situation too, because I was talking to a couple last week, for, or a couple weeks ago for Thanksgiving. They're like, we, we are the fourth Thanksgiving family. Literally, both parents on both sides are divorced. So now we got two families on her side, we got two families on his side, and she goes, she goes, oh, the worst part, they all live local. So it's not like we can say, oh, we went here last year, so we'll go over here this year. No, no, no. They all expect us every year to make the whole. So we literally are driving two and three and four places every Thanksgiving. And then do you, do you eat at every one of them? I'm asked my question, like, do you feel like the obligation to eat every one? Because I'm like, you, you're going to be loaded up on some tryptophan after four Thanksgivings. So the family drama has the ability to rob you of your peace. Depending on who's flying in and who's coming and who's driving and who's spending the night and who's going to... Or you just got that crazy one. Do you have the crazy one in your family? The one, the one that always wants to fight, wants to yell. Hey, you, you, you got the one that's just mean and critical and critical of everything? Oh, the turkey's too dry. Well, I don't like the tree. Well, I don't like... Well, shut up is what you want to say. <laughs> you go back home if you want to. So anyway, but you don't do that because you love Jesus and Jesus loves people. And I don't ever say that. You think that stuff, though. We're all the same. So, so anyway. Or you get guilt. Do you have guilt trip family? What is it about the guilt trip, man? I actually eventually called my parents out on this one. I think guilt tripping people is generational. So I do think, I do think that it is 
I see it more often in people of my parents' generation, and it was very, very prominent in the way that they were raised. And how many know guilted people guilt other people? So when you've been guilted your whole life, I know this of certain uh, Christian denominations. You, you, you grow up the whole life. You're, you're the worm of the earth. You are scum. You are never measured up. You are never good enough. But Jesus loves you. you know, I don't get that part. But anyway, and so you got the guilt tripper family. I literally, I was talking to a, a young couple in our, our church, and they went and did something for Thanksgiving recently. And like, he goes, man, we tried to make it all about them. We tried to let them know, hey, we didn't go to any of the other family members. We're not doing two and three. We are here just for you. And he goes, it didn't matter. I tried everything I could, man. And they even gave me the guilt trip about how I don't come around enough, and we don't do this enough, and we don't got that enough. And I'm like, man. And he just, he said, I just took it. I smiled and took it. I didn't say nothing back. So you got guilt trip. Family. And so my point is this, is that you need to be careful because you can't change your family, can you? No, you say amen right there. Because some of y'all are thinking about it, apparently. They're like, well, I could. I could divorce them. I could kill them. I could, do, I could get rid of them. No body, no crime. You know, so the family drama. And can I encourage you real quick here? If, you, if, you're, if you're in the midst of family drama, stay above the fray. Here's my suggestion to you, and this is just some, some quick thoughts. Don't be easily offended. You know they're crazy. And here's what you don't know either. You're crazy too. Hey, if you don't have a crazy one in the family, it could be you. There's something to think about. But, but here, don't, don't be easily offended. Look, we're all broken. We're all flawed. We're all, we're, we, well, look, none of us are perfect. Don't. Don't be easily offended. We don't know where they're coming from or what they're... We, we don't know everything. Just, just don't be easily offended. Obviously, be quick to apologize. Be quick to forgive. But here's what I really want you to do. Be quick to bless. Because even when they're hurling the craziness and the drama or the guilt, or the, just, just bless. Just speak a word of bless. Some type of encouragement, some type of gratitude, some type of thing. Something. Just to set the tone. Because above all, when the family drama is breaking loose, above all, I want you to do your best to maintain the peace. Because what's the point of taking their family drama? Because then what it does, it turns into like a cyclone. Because it's their family drama and then you mix it in and then you just start this back and forth. No, no, no. Just as much as it depends on you, keep the peace. Number two is this. For some of you, you wish you had the family drama because you got the opposite of the spectrum. You're like, I don't have family, I don't have people, I don't have anything, and so I'd, I'd struggle with the loneliness. And the loneliness can be there, and not only can the loneliness be there, because we, we sit there and think, I wish I had a family to fight with. I wish I had somebody to yell at or yell at me. I got nobody, and I want to encourage you, you are not alone. You're not alone, because guess what, there's some other people, just like you, find them, go celebrate together. But even when that doesn't work, remember this, that... that you need to rest in the fact that although people might not be around you in the holidays, God is always with you. He works the midnight shift. He doesn't take vacations. He doesn't take off holidays. He is the ever-present God. Think about it. God doesn't travel for, for Christmas. He's already there. He's already there at the point of your... He is already there. Number three is this. It's the hustle. I... I, I, I just want you to know, like, I'm the master at avoiding the hustle. And let me help you real quick here. For those of you, you know what I'm talking about. 
you wear yourselves out, you spread yourselves thin, you overcommit, you are running from this thing to that thing, this party to that party, and you got, so you got five kids, you got every kid, you got to get to a certain party, and you got the, the work thing, and you got the church thing, and you got your husband thing, you got your wife thing, you got, you got all the things. And I want to encourage you, like, the hustle, the hustle can steal your peace. The best thing that I can encourage you to do is this, learn to say no. Like, lovingly, just say no. I mean, go ahead and RSVP, don't, don't, don't just... Don't, don't respond. No, just go ahead and say, hey, look, I'm so sorry. Because at some point in time, you're going to have to say no to even good things so that you can say yes to the best things. This is what we talk about when we talk about creating margin in our time. Because when you don't have margin in your time, you don't have peace, do you? You're stretched too thin. So like I'm telling you, like stay out of the hustle. Stay out of the craziness. Number four, and lastly, is this, is sometimes the money gets us. Sometimes... We think about what we can't afford, what we wish we could buy those kids, what we wish we could buy our spouse, and we think we're just strapped. And so we're thinking, well, I could just put it on the credit card. I'm telling you, let me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mess with somebody. Look, if the size of your gift determines whether you enjoyed Christmas this year or not, you've missed it. You've completely missed it. Like at some point, it's not about the money. It's not about the stuff. It's not about the gifts. It's not about how expensive. It's, it's not about that stuff. And so sometimes we get the pressure and the pressure to like, I got to have at least this many gifts or my gift has to be. At some point, I'm telling you, you're just going to have to back off. Why? Because God doesn't want you to overextend yourself financially. God doesn't want you racking up. As a matter of fact, this is what I saw so many people do, is they would literally, during the holiday season, they would want to, to do so much gift-wise that they would load up their credit cards. Anybody smiling at me right now? I'm just looking. They would load up their credit cards over the holidays, and then literally you spend the rest of the year trying to pay all that stuff off. Why? It, could it be that we could make Christmas about something a little bit different and a little bit more than just about the money, and in doing so, we would keep our peace. So here we find where peace really comes from. Because when we, when we avoid all these things, I'm telling you, we stay out of the things that steal our peace, but yet some of us, even, even we don't even get in all that stuff, I and mean, we still wonder where the peace comes from. And I'm telling you this. See, most of us have the notion that peace is the absence of conflict. Isn't that how we kind of think of it? We think if a nation is at peace, they're just not at war. It's the absence of conflict. But in your own soul, in your own personal life, peace is not the absence of conflict. Actually, peace is the presence of a person. If you ever wanted to know where true peace comes from, it's from Jesus. Like this is where true peace is found. This is why, again, some people can have everything in the world and not have conflict and not have issue and everything's all good. Still don't got no peace. Because some of us do that. We dream, you ever dream up peace? I know this is why you do. This is when you get really, really stressed, you start dreaming up of where you wish you were. Don't act like y'all don't do this. You think about like, man, if I could just be like on a tropical island, soaking in the warm sun, my tie in my hand, Bob Marley in the background. <laughs> Baby, no worry. Bye, and we think, man, if I could just be there and there weren't the money and the stress and the thing and the wife and the kids, I just, I would have peace. Let me help you out. No, you wouldn't. You wouldn't. Because peace is not the absence of conflict or the presence of Bob Marley. Peace is in the person of Jesus. 
Like this is why, again, you find people, literally, all hell is breaking loose around them. And they're calm. They're in the moment. And they feel okay. And then people ask you, like, why are you so okay? But I don't know. It must be Jesus, because I have no practical reasons why I'm okay. I'm telling you, it's the person of Jesus. Because when you find Jesus in here, I'm going to help you real quick here. There's two big things that come out of Jesus. Number one is this. The two things that you find when you find Jesus is, number one, is you find peace with God. Now, that, that, that's a specific thing, like the peace with God. This is what every person on planet Earth eventually needs, don't they? They go through life. We're all sinners. We're all born sin we we all make mistakes we all are not right in god's eyes none of us measure up to his holiness and his right we don't and yet jesus makes a way to where you don't even have to be righteous but you can basically tag along on his righteousness you can ride his coattail you can receive his grace and now when jesus or when god looks at your mess and your junk he doesn't see anymore he just sees jesus's goodness because you have put your faith in him you have been made right with God. Therefore, this is what the Bible says. This is how Paul said it. Listen to these words. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith. Everybody say justified. justified. Like the word justified literally means you've been made right. It is just as if it never happened. Since you have been justified through faith, we have what? Peace with God. Through Jesus Christ. It is not how good you are. You didn't earn it. You didn't work up to it. It wasn't your church attendance because it was probably not that great anyway. What you're giving red wasn't how many, you know, sweet gestures and acts of kind. No, no, no. It is because of Jesus' death on the cross and that is the only thing that makes you right in the eyes of God. And so when you become connected to Jesus, I'm telling you, you have peace with God. Listen, here, here's another verse. Listen to this. Ephesians chapter 2 says this. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away, have been brought near through the blood of Christ, for Christ himself is our peace. That's where you find peace with God. And, and many of you are out there, and you, you know that your relationship with God is distant. You know that, it's that, I'm telling you, when you are connected to Jesus, you have peace with God. But that, Now, most of us are already there. That's why you're at church this morning. Most of you have already sought that. You've asked God to come into your heart to forgive you of your sins. You've wanted to be made right with God. And that, so that's not what you need. You don't need just peace with God. You need the peace from God. And that's something different. Because we know a lot of Christians who've confessed faith in Jesus, but still crazy on the inside. Still stressed out, worried, got ulcers forming as we speak. I mean, just can't get a good, just life is spinning out of control for them. And even in the midst of it, they have no peace. It's not that they don't believe in Jesus. It's that even though they believe in Jesus, something's not clicked for them and they're not experiencing peace from God. Listen to what Paul said. This is what he says about peace from God. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 4, he says these words, and it's almost irritating that he says this. He says, don't be anxious about anything. Isn't that the worst when you're going through something and somebody just tells you not to be that way? Like, you're worried. You're like, you shouldn't worry. Great, thanks. You've been very helpful today. I appreciate that. Like, you know, you're afraid. You're like, just don't be afraid. You don't be afraid. Like, I'm freaking out here, but I just tell you, just don't. But Paul, thank God, doesn't just say, don't worry. That's the annoying part. He actually tells you the blueprint and the ingredient for shedding that off of your life. This is what he says. Don't worry or be anxious about anything. Like, anything? 
anything. But in everything, listen to what he prescribes, by prayer and petition and thanksgiving, present your request to God and the what? The peace of God or the peace that comes from God, which, by the way, it transcends all understanding. This is why people ask you like, well, I just don't get it. I don't understand. Or you feel at peace and you're like, I don't even get it. I don't even know why. That's why it transcends. You don't get it. And he says, it will guard the peace of God. It will guard your heart and guard your mind in Christ Jesus. He's like, this is what you need in life. Because you've been made right with God, but you're still stressing about everything. You still got the family drama and the money issues are there or the sickness or the, you got all that stuff. He goes, you need the peace of God. And he goes, here's how it happens. Number one, like your, your stress and worry is directly related to your prayer life. Like, you need to consider that. That, like, you're stress, 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 stress. And, and here's what you do. When you stress about things, your attention and focus is completely on the thing that's stressing you out, isn't it? And just so you know, like, like fear is a focus. Stress is a focus. And it just pushes you further and further. And don't you do this? Like, when you're worried and stressed and fearful about a thing, like, dream up the worst case scenarios of how it's going to turn out. Why? Because we took all of our focus and we put it on the thing that we were worried about. But prayer changes that, doesn't it? Because prayer takes your focus off the thing and puts it on God. And now you're taking the thing and putting it in the hands of God. And our focus has been changed. Then he says, back that up with some thanksgiving, by the way. Because like, thank, don't you know, like thanksgiving changes not just your focus. Thanksgiving changes your perspective. How, how often do we really think about what we don't have? And what's not there? And what is the thing that changes our perspective? Start making a list of everything that we have to be grateful for. Because it is easy to get caught up in the fear and the worry and the stress of it. It's easy to think about everything we wish we had or what we don't have or what's not there or what's missing or what's bad. I'm telling you, gratitude totally changes it. Because you start thinking about everything that's good, everything that's right, everything that you do have, and it changes your heart. But it's all built in this one big idea, and we we touched on this last week, because he gets at the end, he goes, goes, as you do this, you're going to begin to experience peace, and listen to this last verse here. This is the verse in Philippians. He goes, it will guard your hearts and minds, where? In Christ Jesus. Like, true peace comes from where you're at in life, your position in life, your position with God. Like, being in the presence of Jesus has just this way of melting away fear, melting away anxiety, and melting away stress. So my question to you would be is this. When you look at your Christmas and you look at your life right now, if there's not a lot of peace, I want you to dig in to prayer. I want you to dig into gratefulness. I want you to dig into being with Jesus and being in his presence because that's the only place that you're going to find any amount of peace. Listen to these words, silent night, holy night, all is calm and all is bright. Round yon virgin, mother and child, holy infant, so tender and mild, sleep in heavenly peace. The next verse says this, he goes, shepherds quake at the sight, glories stream from heaven afar, heavenly host sing hallelujah, Christ the Savior is born. The very fact that Jesus was born gave you and, I, you and I an opportunity to step out of our current mess, our current stress, the way that we've maybe put our life together and say, you know what, I want to make sure that I change 
and move it towards Jesus. Because I'm telling you, peace is not found in a thing or in the absence of conflict. It is found in the presence of Jesus. You don't believe me? Last verse. Listen to these words. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. The Bible says, For unto us a child is born and a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. He is called the Prince of peace. This is unique. Now, when Isaiah wrote this, you got to remember, Isaiah wrote this in the Hebrew language, and he goes, he is the Tsar Shalom. Like the Tsar is where we get like the Russian leader, the Tsar, or if you look in, in Roman times, he was Caesar. So Tsar literally meant the, it meant the captain, and the chief, and the lord, and the master, the ruler. And then this word peace all of a sudden comes in, and this is, this is a big word to them. See, the Hebrew language is, 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 is a small language. There's not a ton of words. So what they would do is they would take a word and then pack so much meaning into it, like an overstuffed suitcase. They would just jam all kinds of meaning into it. And they would say, this isn't just tranquility. This isn't just peace of mind. It's that and so much more. It means wholeness. It means that everything in your life is in harmony with God. And that's how they would greet and still to this day greet. We say, hey, what's up? How you doing? They say shalom. Wholeness and peace over your life. He's the Sar shalom. It is found in him. This is even where we find kind of a, we, we get away from Santa Claus theology here. Did you know that? Like some of us have like Santa Claus theology, typical religious theology, which says this. If I'm really, really good, God will like me. And then I'll have peace with God and I'll have peace from God. But if I'm bad, then God doesn't like me and I don't have peace with God or I don't have peace from God. Isn't that Santa Claus theology? We sing the song about Santa Claus. He's making a list, checking it twice, gonna find out who's naughty or nice. How many of you as a kid thought, I'm probably on the naughty list? My son actually asked me that last year. He's like, Dad, am I on the naughty list? I'm like, yes. (laughs) But you can change it right now by being really good, you know. And that's the type of theology we bring to God. We're like, God, if I'm really, really good, maybe I get off the naughty list and on the nice list. You know what biblical theology is like? This is what real, this is what the Bible actually teaches. We are all on the naughty list. Every one of us, we're all on the naughty list. And Jesus shows up. And he takes your place on the naughty list and pushes your name over to the nice list and says, you're redeemed. You are reconciled. You have peace with God because of me. And now if you will stay with me, you will have the peace from God. That, that is how the grace of God works. And that's how you begin to access the Sar Shalom, Jesus as the prince of your peace. Let's pray this morning. God, we thank you so much. That even in the midst of craziness, we can find you. God, some of, us are, are, some of us have everything in the world. We have tranquility and we're still restless on the inside. And God, it's because we need you. God, no matter what our situation is, God, I pray that the people here within the sound of my voice would turn in their heart towards you, God, and begin to seek you so that they might have peace with you and peace from you, God. So that they would have that wholeness and that completeness, the God, the fullness that you want to have for them. And so, God, we pray that we would today, even in in this moment of prayer, that we would bring our stress to you. We bring our worry to you. As a matter of fact, I want you to do that. I want you to take 30, 40, 60 seconds right now. Some of you are worked up right now. You got family craziness. You got stress. You got financial issues. 
you worry, maybe it's the lonely, maybe it's the, I don't know what it is for you, but whatever it is that's stressing you out right now, I would just say Jesus is yours. You are the captain of my peace. You're the Sar Shalom, You're, it's you. I'm telling you, every little detail that you could ever want worked out in your life, it could get worked out and you still wouldn't have peace if you have it all in the absence of Jesus. It's in Him. So Father, we bring it to you. We give it to you. In prayer, we give it to you. It's not ours anymore. It's not ours to handle. It's, our, it's not ours to worry about. It's yours. And God will thank you today. God, we'll put our attention on everything that you have done and all that is good and all that is right and all that is going for us. Right? We'll be thankful. We'll be grateful. But above all, God, even in the midst of all that's going on, we want to be with you. We want to sense and feel your presence. We want to hear your voice. We want to feel your peace and your grace all over us. We want to be with you, God. And God, that's our prayer this morning. This morning, we turn in our heart towards so that we might find you as our Prince of Peace. God, we pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. And we all said, Amen. Amen. Can we give the Lord a big hand clap this morning?